reflecting on what does it look like to walk with Jesus so closely that we become a radical blessing for the city that we're in. And it's not an accident that we're in this series as we come to our church's 10th birthday because 10 years ago, we were deeply convicted when we were just a small group of people that God had called us into this city for a reason. And as we approached our 10th birthday, we said, hey, we wanna take the fall and to just ask God to, to help us reimagine what it means to be his people in this city for such a time as this. I remember several years ago, maybe you've heard me tell this story once or twice or a dozen times, I don't know, but several years ago, Sydney and I, we were on a spiritual retreat together. And I'll never forget on that retreat, the, the Lord just spoke so clearly to our hearts. He said, Dave, the next season of ministry for you and Sydney and Ethos, the next season of ministry in the United States is gonna be learned and discovered from your brothers and sisters in the global church. And I had no idea what that meant. At the time, we didn't hardly know anybody in the global church. And uh, those of you that have been around, you've kind of seen the way this has unfolded over the last several years as our family's kind of been all over the place uh, working. But the reality is we've been all over the place learning. And some of the folks that we've had the joy of learning from in the most deepest sense is our team that leads Ethos India. And they're here with us this morning. And here in just a moment, I'm gonna call them up uh, to share with us. And, and I cannot wait for what I believe the Spirit of God is gonna deposit in our church family. Not just in this season, but specifically in what's gonna happen this morning. I remember several years ago, going to visit them for the first time. And God began to rework the landscape of my imagination. I began to think about life differently, ministry differently, finances differently, time differently, relationships differently, everything. The only way I know how to, to say it is my time in India, it was like this rushing river that began to cut its way through the canyon of my heart. And all of a sudden, things just began to appear and to seem just a little bit different. And this morning, you know, they've come 8,000 miles to come be with us. And I think you'll be inspired. I think you'll be challenged. I think you'll be blessed. But I just wanna be very upfront. We didn't ask them here for your inspiration, and I hope you'll be inspired. We ask them to come here for the sake of your imagination. And what I'm praying is as, as you're listening to them speak, and you're gonna have to really lean in and listen, you know, accents and culture and all that, you have to kind of listen in. But I'm gonna ask you to lean in because I believe that God is going to begin opening up our imaginations differently about the way that we see and think of ourselves right here in the city that God has put us in. So I wanna give you just a little bit of context for what's going on in India. And then we're gonna welcome our friends up and I'm gonna ask them a few questions and we'll spend some time praying together. So if you've never been to India, just let me give you a sense of what India's like. The, the, the land mass of India, just kind of land size wise, if you took the state of Texas, Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona, and Oklahoma, if you took those five states and put them together, that's about the size of India, land mass wise. But population-wise, it is six times the size of the entire United States. And so if you took all of the United States and you multiplied it by six and you put, it, put all of those people in those five states, you're beginning to get a sense of what India is like. And so those of you that live in those tall, skinny houses in 12 South and you think you don't have a yard, you haven't seen anything, I'm telling you, it's people on top of people on top of people. Uh, within India, if you go to the easternmost corner, there's this little area called West Bengal, which is where our team is, where they do the work. And if you could just kind of imagine West Bengal, the size of West Bengal is basically from Jackson, Tennessee, all the way over to the easternmost point of Tennessee. So if you took two thirds of the state of Tennessee, that's about the size of West Bengal, but the population is 91 million people. 
So I just want you to imagine if you took the entire eastern seaboard of the United States and you put it in a landmass two-thirds the size of Tennessee, now you're beginning to get an understanding of what our brothers and sisters work in day in and day out. More than 98% of the people that live in West Bengal are not followers of Jesus. And so our team is there and they've planted eight churches across that region. They have five children's programs that care for nearly 700 children every day, their, their education needs, their physical needs. Uh, they have vocational training for women that have been left and abandoned by their husbands to give them skill sets to move in to new jobs. It's just amazing what they're doing. They have the, what we call the dream homes there where we take care of at-risk uh, youth and teenagers that are really susceptible to all sorts of things and so many more. I could, I could just talk on and on and on and on, but I just want you to imagine the context of what they're in. And it's in this that they've said, we want to bring the hope of Jesus to every single person in West Bengal. I go, man, wow, how amazing is that? And that's what we get to be a part of. Uh, here in just a moment, we're so excited. We've got four of our friends from India. We have Charbonny and Pius who are married and they started the ministry along with their partner in ministry, Jay Cherie. And their son, Pushpalm, who is here. And he's just having an amazing time getting to hang out with us. It's been so great to be with them. But I'm gonna invite Pius and Jay Shree to come up. Would you give me just like the biggest, warmest, like ethos, we're pumped out of our minds to see them. You can stand to your feet. Will you welcome them here? Thank you, you can have a seat. You know, when, when I showed up in India for the first time to preach in one of their churches, they brought out a group of people to do an honorary dance. And so would anyone like to volunteer? So come, um, uh, no, it, it, is, it is so awesome. It is so awesome to have you here. One of the things that I was struck by is they have this, they have this incredibly huge ministry. God's doing immeasurably more than they could have asked or imagined, but this huge ministry started in a really small way. Hold on, we'll let Pius get his, his mic set up. You good? Um, this huge ministry started in a really small way. It started, uh, both Pius and Jay Shree were working with Compassion International there in India. And one day he was walking through the slums of Kolkata and he saw a little boy about the age of his son eating out of a trash can. And it was, it was that small incident that just launched something in in Pius's heart. So Pius, would you just talk about that moment of, in the midst of all this poverty, seeing that moment and how God used that situation to get your attention? Yes, actually, in the, from the year 2005, God started speaking in our heart to leave the comfort zone and do what I want you to do. But we didn't obey, actually. But in the year 2009, during our break time, when both of us, we have visited the slum, just out of our curiosity, we thought, let us go and see what is going on opposite side of the canal. So we have visited and literally we have seen that two very small little children, they are searching food from the dustbin. By seeing this one, that breaks our heart like anything. God started speaking in our heart, suppose being a father, if you see your own child searching food from the dustbin, being a father, what would be your reaction, immediate reaction? 
We couldn't say anything to God. We only say, God, I'm here. What I have to do? God has told me, I have called you to feed these children. Who will feed these children? Who will provide the food to them? Who will give the education to these children? Who will give the dress to these children? I have called you for this reason. Leave your comfort zone and come out. And on the very day we have decided, no more. We resigned from compassion and we have started doing the work for these children. Yeah, you know, I don't know if you caught that, but there's this moment where God had begun challenging them to step in to some of these places of, of brokenness, but they had these really comfortable jobs, these really good jobs with Compassion International, a great organization, but they thought, man, we can't reach the lowest of the low, the, the most hurting, and, and I love this moment where he said God had called them in 2005, but he disobeyed you know, for, for four years. Have any of you been there? Just raise your hand if you've ever had one of those moments where, where God has like called you and just kind of that delayed obedience and he's there. But God used this small moment of walking past a child who was eating out of a trash can to, to launch this, this ministry that uh, God is using in amazing ways. One of the things that I was so blown away by uh, in my time in India is that the two of you and your team, you're not just focused on the physical needs, although you're meeting all kinds of physical needs. You're feeding children, you're taking care of education, you're taking care of health care, you're doing job and vocational training. But one of the things that really drew our hearts to, to your heart was over and over and over they talk about the end goal is not just social justice, but gospel justice. That men and women would come to know the saving touch of Jesus in their life. And I remember uh, being with the two of you and we were baptizing people in India and it was amazing. But I'll never forget this thing because baptisms were so different there. Uh, right before each person would get baptized, they would fill out this piece of paper that basically, you know, like whenever you take your kids to do something really dangerous and you have to fill out the waiver that basically says, I'm not going to sue you. It was basically what they signed before they get baptized. Where they, they fill out this piece of paper that says, we understand that the moment we begin to follow Jesus, it's probably going to cost us uh, basically everything. Our jobs, maybe our lives, our family, our friends, our finances, following Jesus. And it's this moment where they begin to say, hey, we understand what we're getting into. Jay Sheree, would you just talk about the cost of following Jesus for so many of our brothers and sisters in Ethos, India? Uh, well, in India still, Christianity is considered as a foreign religion. And Christ is a foreign God. So when you accept Christ and when you start following Jesus, it is you are uh, actually blaspheming because you are insulting the, all the idols or all the gods uh, they, they had in their homes or in, in the neighborhood. So for, I mean, that's a lovely song that uh, we sang this morning. And that is very true for uh, each one of us who have taken uh, baptism is my wealth isn't cross. My wealth is in Christ alone. Because when people start following Christ, it is that, first of all, there is a rejection from the family. Because the parents will no longer think that they are uh, my child. They will be abandoned by them. The secondly, they will not get any inheritance like the property or any fa family wealth that they have. They will not be given possessions for that. Then they will be humiliated and very badly looked down upon by the community people. Probably sometimes they go till the extent that 
electricity line is disconnected, if that is disconnected, or they will not be able to go to a common well to take water. So it will be like they will be just uh, not in the society. They will stay in a society, but people will consider as they are untouchables or they are, they are not considered as a, a person who live in the society. But I think that is the greatest joy as a Christian because we consider though there is a lot of uh, problems or we face a lot of persecution, but we could be a salt and light. Uh, and how? Because when this all people will have problem, when they go through all the struggles, they find this Christian people to whom they can come to because the Christian people have time to think about them, talk to them, and they can share, pour out their heart's problem, and we pray for them. So no matter how bad they say about us, it's ultimately, we are the ones who have concern for the people and who pray. So we have seen like a lot of people who opposed us from the community, from the neighborhood, are the ones who when they had in a crisis and problem, they came to us. So I think that's the best way uh, as a Christian that we are a salt and light in that, that problem. In the hopeless world, we are the hope. I mean, they, they know from heart, but they do not want it to accept that. So uh, there are different times when they came to us, we prayed, and uh, they have seen uh, the different results. You know, it's, it's amazing. I think about being over there and how different their baptism services are from our baptism services. You know, on Wednesday night, we'll be together and some of you will be getting baptized and we'll be celebrating. It's a party. You invite your friends and your family. But, you know, it, it's crazy just being there, just watching the cost. You know, it's, they leave their baptism and they get their electricity cut off in their house so they no longer have access to the community water system or they no longer can attend school or work. They get cut off. Can you, can you imagine... Uh, the sort of choice that causes in our brothers and sisters all across the world. But what's amazing to me is on the other side of that decision is a level of joy and commitment that you cannot manufacture. So I remember just being in there and just like worshiping with that church. I go, man, it's amazing to see the level. One of the, one of the most touching moments of my life was being with you all. And there was this guy that we got to baptize and, and Pius was telling me his story of how you know, two years earlier, his teenage daughters had taken on Christ in baptism. And this guy had tortured them for basically two years. Tried to torture them out of their faith, just, just abuse them in unthinkable ways. And here he was there on the day that we were there worshiping, getting ready to give his life to Jesus to be baptized. Why? Because as, as he was assaulting and hurting his own children, what kept pouring out of their wounded hearts and bodies was the love of Christ Jesus. And to watch his daughters rejoice in the testimony of what they had endured for the sake of their dad, I couldn't relate to it. It was, it was unbelievable. You know, one of the things that's uh, amazing to me is that you all have such a vision for changing West Bengal, those 91 million people, but you want to change them through the lives of the next generation by starting with the most vulnerable. And P.S., would you just kind of share a little bit of the vision for the dream home? We've got two dream homes. Imagine two campuses with... Uh, one, for men, one for young men, one for young women uh, that are the most at-risk kids coming out of the slums. It's giving them a future. Can you just talk about how God put that in your heart? Yeah. Actually, children in slum are very vulnerable positions. You know, the child abuse is very much practiced there in the slum. Almost 100% girl child are abused 
physically, sexually, by his own dad, own father, or by the close relative. I mean, when the child is seven, eight, nine years old, the girl child, 100% child are abused actually by his own relative, by his own father. One of our girl, she was abused so badly, physically and sexually by, by, by her dad. One day he tried to commit suicide by hanging herself. But praise God that, that somehow she rescued by the community people early morning. Child trafficking is very much high in these areas. Child is trapped by, girl child is trapped by, his, by her own boyfriend or by her own close relative. One of our girl, she actually trapped and she raped by her, I mean, a boyfriend and this particular boy wanted to sell him to Bangladesh for the sex, sex worker as a sex worker. But, but just before she crossed the border, somehow he rescued her and we have kept him in that, our, our girl's dream home. Child marriage, when any child, either boys or girls, when they cross 12 or 13 years old, they got married. We cannot sustain these children in our program after 10 years. Child labor is very high, especially the boys when they at least they cross 10 and 11 years old, they go to the market to work and you know, the people is easily exploit them. They get very limited, limited amount and with that they, they try to alcohol and other things already they involve. So what we have observed that the investment, what we are doing in the life of these children, the outcome is very less. Because children comes in our program only two hours or three hours in a day, but rest of the time, they stay with their parents. They have observed all these things, what their parents are doing or what is the happening in their life. Then we thought, if you could take them from these areas and if you could give them a safe environment and from there, we can start a new generation. Without this uh, 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 residential program of the children, new generation is not possible to start because most of the time they are in the parents. Then we started thinking, how we will do these things? How we will rescue the children? How can we do these things? Then these things, the residential program, dream homes has come to our mind, boys' dream homes and girls' dream homes. From there, the new generation is going to start as the children is in our care 24 hours. They will get a good shelter, safe life, education, everything from there. Yeah, you know, it's amazing. One day we were walking through the slums together and Pius was just kind of giving me the stats. He said what happens is a lot of times in that culture, the moms would go out to get jobs and the children would be left home all day. Basically, just imagine a, a trash heap. That's where the slums are. These children are left to fend for themselves with men that have just been drinking around the clock all day, and the, the abuse is unthinkable. And, you know, we talked about this earlier today. It's amazing how God has taken all of these small uh, moments of brokenness, and he's, he's catapulted them into these beautiful moments of ministry. This, this young woman, so deeply abused by her own family that she wants to take her own life, and it doesn't work. And so Pius and Jay Shree come along and God gives them this vision for a dream home 
for, for, to, to take kids and teenagers out of the, the places of greatest brokenness and give them a brand new story. And it's amazing when you, when you begin to interact with some of these folks, some of these students, what God is doing to transform their future, uh, becoming nurses, future doctors, future educators, future pastors, future leaders, and it's just un. Unbelievable. There's so many things. We're going to have them tonight at prayer gathering, and so there's going to be more time to talk and to listen and to pray. But I want to just kind of end with one more story. On our first day in India uh, several years ago, P.S. and Jay Shree, they took us uh, into a Hindu temple, and they said, you cannot understand the ministry we're trying to do unless you understand the darkness that we're up against. And I'll never forget just the darkness. You know, when you're from an outside culture and you come in, it's almost shocking to see uh, the, the difference. Well, on their first night here in Nashville, we didn't have a Hindu culture to take them to, but we literally took them down to Broadway on a Saturday night. And uh, we thought this is the closest we have. But what was interesting was listening to them talk about the spiritual darkness of our city reminded me of how our team was talking about the spiritual darkness of their city years ago. And Jay Shree, would you just speak into for a moment some of what you all have sensed in your time here in the States? This is your first time in Nashville some of the areas where you've seen spiritual oppression? Uh, I think like the first time when uh, we were just driving through the Broadway, the first thing that uh, we have seen, uh, that we were really shocked that the people are finding for happiness. They are looking for joy with something which cannot give them joy, which cannot fill their hearts because they were just drinking and they didn't know what they are doing. There's a music uh, on the whole street. There was something or the other going on. And I was thinking, these are the people who really want peace, joy, and love in their life. And I'm not very sure that how much uh, the drinks or the other things that they are doing in it there can give that. And I, I was thinking that Jesus, I mean, they probably, they are Christians, and the life which Jesus can give us, the assurance, the, the emptiness in our heart which is there, that is only Christ's love can fill us. The joy, the happiness, the satisfaction, peace, which Christ can give, there is no one else can give. And I, as I was going to different places, like uh, Opry Hotel, Opry Hotel, Land Hotel, yes, I think, or in the other places like uh, shopping centers, people have so much options. There are so much choices that is there. Sometimes I feel when you have so many choices, you really forget the real value of something which you already have. You just take, take things for granted that, okay, it, it's there, so it probably has no value. And you start giving value to something else. Probably food, probably entertainment, probably the joy. And so you start looking at something else which can give you joy, but which is already there, available for you, you start forgetting because you, you don't actually give value because it's, it's there. So I, I feel in India or in, in US, it's probably a different way it's a probably a different way we can uh, look at the things. It's a different uh, sides we can see. But I think it's the same darkness. And I think we need a lot of prayer because 
uh, in the in the Bible, it is written, "You you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free." So it's so it's the only truth of Jesus which can set us free. The the peace which Jesus can give us, I don't think that any of the expensive pills that is that is uh, man created can give them peace or the night's sleep or the joy. How good is that, man? That's, <laughs> um, you know, we, we said at the beginning of this that the goal of this is not just inspiration, but imagination. We want God. And I just go, man, I, I wonder how many of those small moments are all around us that are just waiting or waiting to invite us into bigger things. I wonder how many uh, little steps of obedience could be taken in our church that would lead us into unthinkable joy. I wonder how many idols we are currently smuggling into the places of our life that are robbing us of the thing that we already have in Christ. And so as we kind of end our time with Pius and Jay Sheree this morning, I've asked Pius if he would just pray over us, but in his heart language in Bengali. I've asked it if you would just pray. And so Ethos Church, would you just, would you open your hands, like extend your hands out in front of you with your palms open. We're just going to receive a blessing if you just pray over our church and then I want to pray over you and uh, we'll enter into worship. Salut, pray. Shagir, I'm a priyotam jibonti. Shagir, I'm a tomake dhunnobad di pita. E shujok, tu me amake amade jibonat tu me diyecho. Tomake dhunnobad di pita, amade shay poribar, ithos poribar e. Che poribar e asha te amade shujok diye chile. Ebon tomake dhunnobad di pita, duwajar agaro shalthak aajke din poj jhunto. একসঙ্গে তোমার ক্ষেত্রে হাঁটার যে সুযোগ তুমি দিয়েছো তার জন্য তোমাকে ধন্যবাদ দিই পিতা তোমাকে যে কৃতজ্ঞতা জানাই তোমার সমস্ত অনুগ্রহ দয়া করুনার জন্য পিতা আমি তোমাকে ধন্যবাদ দিই তোমার ভালোবাসার জন্য আমি তোমাকে ধন্যবাদ দিই পিতা তোমার সমস্ত আশীর্বাদের জন্য পিতা পিতা আমি তোমাকে ধন্যবাদ দিই ইথোস পাস্টার সিনিয়র লিডার যারা আছে এবং পিতা যারা সে এলডার আছে তাদের জীবনের জন্য পিতা আমাদের প্রতি তাদের ভালোবাসা তাদের দেন দান তাদের ত্যাগ পিতা তাদের সব কিছুর জন্য পিতা আমি তোমাকে ধন্যবাদ দিবি বাবা বাবা ধন্যবাদ দিই যতজন আজকে পিতা এখানে উপস্থিত আছে পিতা বিশেষ করে তুমি দাঁড়িয়ে দেয় তুমি কথা বলো কাজ করো পিতা পিতা যে লক্ষ্য নিয়ে আজকে পিতা তারা আমাদের এখানে ডেকেছে বা যে লক্ষ্য নিয়ে পিতা যে কাজ তারা শুরু করেছে পিতা আগামী দিনে সেই সেই বাচ্চাগুলোর জন্য সেই কাজের জন্য পিতা যে অর্থের দরকার পিতা তুমি দয়া করে সাহায্য করো পিতা প্রতিটা সেই পয়সা যেন পিতা ঠিকভাবে আমরা ব্যবহার করতে পারি এবং যে যে লক্ষ্য আছে পিতা সেই লক্ষ্যে যেন পিতা তারা পৌঁছাতে পারে পিতা তোমার অনুগ্রহকে তুমি বিশেষ তুমি দেখাও পিতা আমি তোমাকে যে কৃতজ্ঞতা জানাই পিতা যে সুযোগ তুমি আমাকে দিয়েছো সেই সুযোগ পাওয়ার যোগ্যতা আজকে আমার নেই কিন্তু আমি তোমাকে ধন্যবাদ দিই পিতা আমার জীবনে তুমি এই সুযোগ দিয়েছো তার জন্য পিতা তুমি দয়া করে সাহায্য করো তোমাকে যে কৃতজ্ঞ থাকতে তোমাকে ভালোবাসতে তোমাকে জীবনে প্রথম প্রধান স্থান দিয়ে তোমাকে গৌরব দিতে তুমি সাহায্য করো বাবা বাবা বিশেষ করে তোমাকে ধন্যবাদ দিই পিতা এই সমস্ত হৃদয়ের জন্য আজ যদি তারারা থাকতো আজকে আমাদের পক্ষে কোনোভাবে সম্ভব হতো না আজ যদি তারা যদি আমাদের সঙ্গে সে হাতকে না মেলাতো বাবা কোনোভাবে সম্ভব হতো না আজকে সেই সমস্ত কিছু বয়েস ড্রিমোম গার্লস ড্রিমোম বা সেই সমস্ত প্রজেক্ট চালানো বা আমাদের নিজেদেরকে খাবার জোগাড় দেওয়া কিন্তু পিতা আমি তোমাকে ধন্যবাদ দিই তোমার আশীর্বাদের জন্য আমি তোমাকে ধন্যবাদ দিই পিতা এদের সেই ভালোবাসার জন্য বাবা আমার প্রার্থনা পিতা এই মন্ডলকে তুমি বৃদ্ধি দান করো বাবা আমার প্রার্থনা পিতা তোমার আশীর্বাদ তুমি দাও ও বাবা আমার প্রার্থনা যাতে অনেক আগামী দিনে যেন পিতা অনেক পরিবারের মুখে অনেক ছোট শিশুর মধ্যে তা যেন সে আশীর্বাদ যেন ছড়িয়ে দিতে পারে 
সেই মনটাকে তুমি বৃদ্ধি দাও অর্থনৈতিকভাবে আধ্যাত্মিকভাবে সমস্ত কিছুর মধ্যে দিয়ে যাতে পিতা আগামী দিনে তারা যেন তোমার সে আশীর্বাদের কারণ হতে পারে সমস্ত গৌরব পরাক্রম মহিমা আমি তোমাকে জানাই কেন সব কিছু বাবার যোগ্য একমাত্র ঈশ্বর তুমি পিতা এই ছোটপাত্র আমাদের একমাত্র ত্রাণ কর্তা বিজয় বহুচ খ্রিস্টের নামে চাই আমেন Ethos Church, would you just extend your hands towards P.S. and J. Shri, and I want to pray a prayer of blessing over them. Father, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we would ask for abundantly more than they could ask or imagine. That God, in their time with us, they'd be strengthened, they'd be filled, they'd be encouraged, they'd be rested, they'd be blessed. That God, you'd give them fresh vision, fresh hope, fresh life, fresh love, fresh endurance. That God, you'd raise up new team members to run alongside of them in India. That you'd raise up new funds and resources. That God, you would use them to not just reach the 700 children and their families, but God, the 91 million people living in West Bengal. God, we pray that you would raise up a new generation of men and women that would love you with all of their heart, their soul, their mind, their strength. That God, you would protect our team, their marriages, their friendships, their families. That God, you'd strengthen them in their faith and in their joy. That God, you would give them a new sense that as they get on the plane and as they return back to the mission field to which you have called them, that God, you would leave in them a deep sense of love from us and that you would leave in us a deep sense of conviction and compassion for the people that you've called us to reach here in the city of Nashville. God, we thank you for them. We honor you and we bless them. It's in the name of Jesus we pray and give thanks. Amen. Can you help me just show our love one more time for peace and Jay Shree?